Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Well, happy Sunday, Shoreline City. You guys ready for a great day today? You ready? You ready? I am so glad all of you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone who's with us for the first time. Again, we hope you are feeling right at home and you like with people who genuinely care about you because we do. Even if we just met you, we love you already. So you're part of the family. Uh, you guys didn't clap very much for that, for all of the first time guests and making sure they feel welcome. I'm not the only one feeling that, right? I'm not the only one. Thrilled you are here. I'm wearing a red today uh, because it, this is a, number one. It's a very bold shirt, okay? Uh, but it's Memorial Day uh, weekend, and I thought let me go ahead and wear something that will commemorate uh, what is happening uh, in our country. You guys know this is a a weekend, not just where you get a day off of work, right? We, there are real men and women who have sacrificed for us, paid the ultimate sacrifice. Can we give them a round of applause? I recognize our nation has never been perfect, but there have always been everyday men and women that have been willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice. So I want to make sure we as a church honor, respect. Uh, if So if you see any uh, veterans today, make sure you give them a big thank you for all that they have done for us uh, because freedom really is never free. Uh, so thank you to all of you who are serving in our armed forces as well. We appreciate your the time and those who have served and now you're, you're retired. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, switching gears, though, last week we started our Connect group. So we are, I hope every single person in our church is in a Connect group. I want every one of us in community, we believe that to grow spiritually, you need to be connected relationally. So make sure you take out that time. We have them all on our website. Uh, go to shorelinecity.church, and you can find a group that is meeting somewhere uh, near you. And then next week, make sure you don't miss church. Uh, it's, it's great every week, but next week, Chris Kane is going to be here uh, with us, and it's going to be a home run. She's going to smash the ball further than Aaron Judge smashes the ball. That's what's going to happen. Who has no idea who I'm talking about when I said Aaron Judge? Yeah, okay, sorry about that. He's a baseball player, plays for the Yankees. John, you know. You better know. Uh, so uh, we, uh, she'll be here with us next week. Invite some friends out. Uh, she leads an organization called uh, A21. She and her husband, they have a, a, a few things that they're leading, uh, but that is one thing in particular that we support as a church, uh, helping rescue people who have been caught in the sex slave trade industry. And, um, and so if you want to be here next week, invite some friends. As I said, I think your heart is really going to be encouraged. Don't, don't try to get it online next week. Be here so you can see it face to face. But hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And we're going to go all the way to verse number 4. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right, all right. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Everybody say holy. The whole earth 
is full of his, his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Now skip with me to John chapter 12, verse 41. John 12, 41. Again, we'll put the scripture on the screen so you can follow along. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is, I Can See Clearly Now. I Can See Clearly Now. Um, we have been in a series on the five solas of the Reformation. The Reformation took place in the 16th century. The Roman Catholic Church had uh, gotten off track, and there were some reformers, uh, Martin Luther and others, that spoke up and said the way things are is not the way they ought to be. Why are individuals paying money to connect with God? Why do I have to go through a priest to connect with God. When I read the Bible, I see that Jesus is my priest, and I don't need someone to now talk to me for God. Jesus is now my connection with God. And, and they stood up, and there was a lot of ridicule, okay? There were a lot of people that pushed back against them. There are a lot of folks that were in the culture that said, what you're doing is not right, but they kept standing for what they believed in. The five solas of the Reformation is what uh, the Reformation was boiled down to, if you will. This was not something that Martin Luther and the Reformers said of themselves. They did not break it down in these five solas. But, but later on, uh, we began to, to paint a clearer picture. Scripture alone. And then last week, we talked about grace and faith alone. This week, we'll talk about to the glory of God alone and Jesus alone. Now, when the Reformers are writing about to the glory of God alone and to Jesus alone, primarily they're talking about salvation and justification. You and I being made right with God, not because of anything that we have done, but because God is good and salvation is not even ultimately about us. It's ultimately about him. It's from him. It's through him. It's to him. All things point back to God. All things. As a matter of fact, the universe even points back to God. Some people might say something like, well, why is the universe so big? There must be other people on other planets. And shoot, yeah, I'm not going to get into that debate with you. But, but the idea behind a lot of that thought process is, well, the universe was built for us, but the universe was not built for us. The universe was built for God. What the universe does is gives mankind an inkling of the majesty of God, and the universe is actually an understatement. The universe cannot even with full clarity articulate the majesty and the awesomeness of God. So when we're saying everything's to the glory of God, that includes the stars that we are looking at. It's all from him and to him, and through him are all things. Now, our reformers... Um, these individuals all these years ago, not perfect by any means, but helped shape our understanding of who Christ is. Now, when they were talking about to the glory of God alone and, and Christ alone, there was a vein. Again, especially as it pertains to salvation, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation comes through faith in Christ alone, and it's all to the glory of God. But as I was studying this, I'm going to take this glory of God and Christ alone, and I'm going to take us on a little bit different journey. 
I, I think it's an important one, and I think it will it'll speak to your heart like it spoke to mine as well. So if you wouldn't mind today, can we go on this little bit of a journey together? Can we walk through uh, some of the Old Testament together and see if the Bible can come alive to us as today? Now, now uh, some of you in here, uh, when you were in grade school, you were the last kid picked for uh, kickball. Some of you, that was you. And, and you know, you were not in shape or, you know, you were unorthodox. And, and now that's why you go to the gym now. You go to the gym all the time now because you're still trying to kill that third grade kid that made fun of you all that time. My advice is let it go. But I, 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 I get it. Now, understand this. Understand. When God picked the children of Israel, he picked the least likely. He did not pick someone that had it all together, had already arrived. He picked the runt, if you will. So if you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, congratulations. God has always picked individuals like this. So it starts with Abraham, and God's kids begin to grow and multiply. And I'm fast-forwarding a bunch here, but they find themselves in captivity. They find themselves chained. They are in Egypt. They're enslaved to the Egyptians, and Moses shows up and says, let my people go. God sent Moses there on assignment saying, I want you to take my kids, take them out of that bondage, and I want you to bring them through the wilderness to my promised land. I have something for them. And God, with his might and his power, rescues the children of Israel out of the hand of the Egyptians, brings them through the Red Sea. They are on their way to the promised land. It is powerful and mighty. But in the Old Testament, we begin to hear some explicit language around the glory of God. The first time this happens explicitly is in Exodus chapter 13. Go with me to Exodus chapter 13. Verse 21, it reads, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or by night. Here is the first physical, if you will, representation of the glory of God. Rabbinical literature would call this the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory, it's the dwelling glory of God. It's God in the midst of his people. So here, Moses, when he's with the children of Israel, actually finds himself going up to a mountain. He goes up on Mount Sinai, and there is a cloud that comes down on this mountain. And the children of Israel are at the base of the mountain. They're looking up, and they're seeing this massive cloud. Again, the glory of God coming down. It came down so hard and with such force. There was a moment where Moses had an opportunity to see almost like the face of God, if you will, and his face was shining so radiant that he had to put a mask on because people People could not look at his face because he had been so much in the Shekinah glory. So he comes 
down off of the mountain and the people are like, what in the world happened to you? It's like a better hairdo than you've ever had in your entire life. This is better than Botox, better than any plastic surgery. They're seeing that things are different on Moses, but this Shekinah glory, this this glory, oh man, it begins to also lead the people. There's this pillar of cloud by day, this pillar of fire by night. They end up making a tabernacle. A tabernacle is essentially this massive tent that they put together, and this tent that they put together, they would uh, put it out, and then the glory of God would come down on this tabernacle representing the presence and power of God, the Ark of the Covenant that is there. And here is this pillar, this, this cloud that was hovering. It was so meaningful to the children of Israel that they would take the tabernacle and put it at the center of the people. And all the people would encamp around the temple. All the 12 tribes of Israel are all the way around it signifying that God ought to be the one at the center of our lives. You're not at the center. Your will is not at the center. God is at the center. Everything revolves around him. If you're about to get married, your marriage needs to revolve around him. If you're going to start a company, your company needs to revolve around him. If you're serving in church, your serving needs to revolve around him. Not your ego, but you you doing this for the glory and the cause of Jesus Christ. Everything is revolving around God. So there's this massive tabernacle goes as far. They go as far as to build a temple. Now they've got a building they build this building, and it has all these specifications, and man, it's opulent, just so you know. It is ridiculously opulent. You can read about it in Scripture. They go all out on this temple. People are bringing gold and silver, and they're bringing everything they can. They bring so much. Moses has to tell the people, stop bringing your stuff. We don't want any more. The, the offering was too much. He had to tell them to stop, but people are bringing all of their goodies, if you will, and they're laying them down they build this beautiful temple that comes around later and in second chronicles chapter 5 i want you to see this second chronicles chapter 5 verse number 13 this is when the temple is being dedicated, the trumpeteers, and I like that word, trumpeteers, and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and instruments. See, they even had a band back in the day. They had a choir back in the day. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord, and this is a song that they sang, He is good. His love endures forever. People that had come out of bondage, people that were in chains, they, they, they were singing, he is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. It was so thick in there. The preachers couldn't preach. The priests could not perform their duties. God showed up at the temple and shut the whole party down. 
so much might, so much glory, so much love, so much of his goodness. He shows up. He fills the temple. This happens even sometimes. You can feel this even when we're singing on a Sunday. You know, we're singing songs like, let heaven come. You're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I feel... What is that? This is not like my church growing up. What's, what's going on here? What's, did they do something to the air? Uh, no, what's happening is spiritual and supernatural. It's the presence and power of God. The great thing is now it's not confined just to church. You actually can have this when you're driving in the car. You begin to sing out, he is good. His love endures forever. When you're at getting married or you're, you're about to uh, have a child, you can grab hands together and say his love endures forever. And the glory of God fills fills the place. So here they are. Children of Israel have built the temple, but they're like us, y'all. They're like us. They choose to trade the glory of God for idols. I like to think that that just happened in the Bible, but it still happens today. You and I exchanging the glory of God for idols. Some of us uh, in here, uh, we're being enamored by streetlights when God has shooting stars for us. We're being amazed by a flashlight when he's got fireworks that he wants to do for us. This has happened over and over again. Um, Our family likes to play the game Catan. Anybody in here know what Catan is? Or am I the only one? I'm the only one? Okay. So I got seven of you. But basically, Catan is a bartering game, all right? You need to play it with somebody who's played it before so they can explain some of the rules. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. And, and basically, you're just trying to build roads and all types of stuff, build your army up. But it's all bartering. When it's your turn, you have some ore and somebody else has some wheat. So you're like, hey, I've got two ore. Give me your three wheat. And you just barter back and forth. That, that's what you do. You're you're settling on this, this, this territory. So our oldest son, Parker, uh, he has nothing to offer our younger son, Grayson. So he says, hey, Grayson, I'll give you a hug for three wheat. <laughs> and we're like, Grayson, no, Grayson, don't do it. And Grayson's like, dad, I got this. I'll take it. I'll take it. Get hug for three wheat, and he, the hug gives him three wheat. Wheat is a, that's a commodity, and he is giving it up for a hug that he can get from his brother after the game is over for free. (laughs) But it's the same type of thing that we do. We're exchanging things that are valuable for something that's not worth the value. It happens all the time. Some of us are in relationships right now, and we made an exchange. God has something beautiful in store for you. He has a marriage that can even be better than my wife and I's marriage, but you can't even see that right now, so you chose to exchange the glory of what God has for you for some temporary chump that will not treat you like the queen that you are, and in a couple years from now, he probably won't even be there. That too real for you? That too real? Talking about an exchange. Talking about you and I choosing the temporary over the eternal. It happens all the time. Not only does it happen, there's a moment in time where the children of Israel, the ark, is actually taken away by the Philistines. And and a, a child is born during that time, and they name the child Ichabod. The name means the glory has departed from Israel. 
They're in a moment of difficulty, and they name a child Ichabod. I I, want to tell you, be careful what you name things when you're going through a valley. Be careful what you name things when you're going through a valley because you'll be in the middle of something difficult and you'll try to name yourself that. You're in the middle of a divorce, so you think you're just divorced and you are leftovers. You're in the middle of walking through some loss, so you will think that you are less than for the rest of your life. You've been the victim of some type of abuse and you will try to name yourself based on that season. You'll give yourself a label thinking that there is no future for you. The children of Israel name this young man Ichabod something that he had to live with his entire life but the glory would not be gone forever it was just a season but they put a permanent name on a temporary situation and this happens all the time happens all the time you and I it's gonna be like this forever (laughs) it's gonna be like this forever church hurt me So forget church. I'm into Jesus. I'm just not in the church. Don't name yourself. Don't label yourself because someone hurt you. Something hurt you. Something didn't measure up quite right. So the children of Israel find themselves in exile. God grabs a hold of a remnant, a small group, and says, hey, I want you to build again. I want you to go back. I want you to rebuild the temple. I want you to go back. I want you to put back together. I know that temple was destroyed, but I want you to go back. I want you to rebuild the temple. I want you to rebuild the temple because God always has a plan. And I, I felt compelled on my heart to tell you, church family, build again, build again, build again, build again. I know your marriage was torn down, but I want to encourage you to build again. I know your image was torn down, but I want to encourage you to build again. I know that injury or that loss or that sin has kept you you feeling like you're incredibly defeated, but I just feel like God is telling you, build again. You grab that hammer. You grab that saw. You grab that shovel. You grab whatever you need to have because God is calling you to build again. You'll not be in exile forever. Things will not be lost forever. You step up and you do what your God is calling you to do. Build again. Build again. Build Again, build again, and they build again, y'all. They build, and they build, and they put this temple back together. Oh, my goodness, they put it back together. You can read about this in Zechariah. You can read about this with Zerubbabel. You can read about these individuals in Scripture who stepped up, and they rebuilt the temple, and the temple comes back together, and, and there's a problem. It's not the same. Remember we read in Chronicles how the glory of God showed up and people couldn't even walk around? It doesn't happen this time. So they did what God told them to do, but God didn't send his presence like he did the last time. So I did, listen, I I did what the pastor told me, but it doesn't look like it worked. Okay, I I got in the connect group, but my life feels the same. I I took this step to start serving and giving, but but doesn't seem I'm not I'm waiting for goosebumps. I want to cry. 
You ever try to cry? You ever have those moments? You're like, I need a moment right now. I just need a moment. <laughs> Leave defeated. Just trying to create a moment and nothing comes. Nothing, nothing happens. They rebuild the temple and it's not the same at all. How many of you in here have seen uh, Bruce Almighty? You've seen uh, Bruce Almighty? Okay, a, a good chunk of you. This is basically a modern-day uh, story of Noah, and, and Steve Carell is, is Noah, and uh, he is the one who is basically building an ark in the suburbs, okay? Because if you're going to build an ark... Oh, sorry. Evan Almighty, not Bruce Almighty. Thank you, honey. Helping me out right there. I got a good wife right there. I got a good wife. Helping me out. I love you. Okay, well, John helped too. So thank you, John, who's not my wife. <laughs> so in Evan Almighty, that's right. That's what it was. So he's building an ark in, in the suburbs. And when he's building uh, this ark, people are just laughing at him, laughing at him. Uh, again, it's, it's modern day. Uh, so, so he's building the ark. There has been no rain in this community for a long time, but Noah is saying, Steve is saying, hey, it's going to flood, it's going to flood, it's going to flood, it's going to flood, and the, the ark is built. This, here's the day that the flood's supposed to come, and then out of the blue, it starts raining, and all the people that are out there are amazed because it's been a drought for so long, and the rain begins to come down like, oh my goodness, we were wrong. This Noah guy was right. We need to get on the boat. And then the rain stops. 10 seconds in, rain stops. And then they all go to laughing again. And Steve is, God, what, what happened? What, what's going on? You told me to build it. You said a flood was coming. And then Steve turns around, Noah turns around, and he sees a dam that's overlooking the city. And the dam at that exact moment begins to break and all of the water begins to flood down. What, what God, I felt, was saying to me and to you, it's not the same because it's better. It's about to be better than it was before. And you thought God was going to do it the same way that he did it before, but he's not going to do it the same way that he did it before. This time, he has a different plan and agenda, and I feel like the dam is about to break over your life and over my life. That there will be a flood of God's presence, a flood of God's goodness, a flood of God's power, a flood of God's grace, a flood of God's favor, a flood of God's anointing, a flood of God's strength, a flood of God's grace. All of that stuff is coming down, and you and I thought it was going to be one way. It's a totally different way. You and I can have a picture in our brains of how God needs to do the next thing that he's going to do in our life, right? Okay, I prayed. I put in the resume. They're going to call me on Tuesday, and then I'm going to, they're probably going to offer me this, but I'm going to counter with this, so then I'm going to end up here. Okay, you got it all mapped out in your brain how exactly it's all going to work out, and, and it doesn't work out. It's not the same because it's about to be better. 
So here they are. Some individuals are mocking. They're, uh, they're upset when the temple is built because the Shekinah glory does not show up like it did before. Why did it not show up like it did before? There is a very real reason for it because this time God was not coming down in a cloud. This next time when God was going to show up, not in the form of a cloud, but the next time the glory was going to fill the temple, it was actually going to be the Christ. You get all the way to the New Testament and it's now Jesus walking into the temple himself. God says before it was a pillar of cloud, but now it's going to be me with skin on. Once again, I will be in the midst of my people. And here you are praying for a cloud to come down, and I actually am bringing myself down. God's plan is always better than your plan and my plan. You and I right now actually could be praying some prayers that are smaller than what God has in store for you. And we're upset with God because he's not doing it our way. And I just want to say, God, thank you for not answering some of the prayers that I have prayed because what I was praying was too small for what you were going to try to do in and through my life. It is the grace of God that sometimes says, no, I'm not answering that one. I'm not answering that. And you think God is against you and he's actually more for you than you could ever possibly imagine. He's good and his love endures forever. So right now, if it does not feel like it's right, it's like, man, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Please understand that God could very well be giving you a key to something, to a building that you have not gotten to yet. And right now he is preparing the building for you, but he had to give you the key right now. So when the opportunity showed up you would have what you need to open the door that he has for you why is he shaping you why is he getting rid of your pride why is he getting rid of your ego why is he working on your heart so much right now it's not for what you need right now it's for where he is taking you and you're going to be able to fit perfectly in the opportunity that he has for you in the future but you got to allow him to do what he needs to do right now Stop judging your future based on your present. You don't know what God is doing. You have no idea what he has in store. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you remember Joseph in the Bible. You can read about a story beginning in Genesis chapter 37. And his, his story is phenomenal because he has this massive dream that his, his parents and his siblings are going to be bowing before him. But, but he actually finds himself in a pit. He is thrown into a pit, sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph can only see the pit, but God can actually see the pit and the palace at the exact same time. Joseph does not have that type of ability, and you and I don't have the type of ability to see where we are and where we're going at the exact same time, but God does. So here, you got Jesus. The glory of God does not come down in the cloud. It comes down with skin on. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. It says, he, Jesus, he's the exact representation of who God is. This Jesus of ours is the radiance of God's glory. It's not the same because it's better. I'm going to 
finalize this link between the glory of God and the person of Christ in Acts chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me and, and I'll be all done. Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. We get the ending of a, of a moment with Stephen. Uh, he's the first martyr of the Christian faith. And as an aside, there are p- still people dying for the cause of Christ today, giving their lives. But this is the first one, the first martyr. And if you ever want to read a great picture, a great chronological story of where we started and where we ended up with Jesus, you can read what Stephen preached. It's powerful. And the great thing is, he's not even a pastor. He's essentially an usher. And God used his life for his glory. So do not think that you got to be in full-time ministry, quote-unquote, in order for God to be able to use you. This man had depth to him. And he was not clergy. So he preaches this message in verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. You know it's a bad day when people are gnashing their teeth at you. Any word with a silent G is a crazy word. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and saw, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, while they were stoning him, while they were stoning him, while they are stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen says, I see Jesus standing. Some theologians will say this is the only standing ovation to ever see in Scripture. Jesus standing as his first son is giving his life for the cause of Christ. But Stephen says, I, I see, I see, I see Jesus standing, and Luke interprets what Stephen saw and he says that Stephen since he saw Jesus he also had to see the glory as well because if you see Jesus you get the glory of God they're one and the same they're one and the same they're one and the same 
So stones are being thrown at him. Watch this. Stones are coming at him, okay? This is not a walk at the Arboretum. This is not you and I at Breadwinners having a really casual brunch. This is a man being faced with life and death. Stones are being thrown at him. Life, his life seems to be falling apart all around him, but he does not put his eyes on the stones. He does not put his eyes on the betrayal. He does not put the, his eyes on his pain. He does not put his eyes on his circumstance. Instead, what he does is he lifts his eyes up and he sees Jesus and the glory of God is present even in his darkest moment. I don't want you walking into your boardroom tomorrow, walking into your school or walking into your family like you just go to church. We don't need people that just go to church. We need sons and daughters of God that understand that they have been drenched in the glory because their eyes are fixed on someone that is greater than themselves. That's who you are. So don't, don't just, don't just, don't just exist. Don't just walk through life. I want you to connect yourself to something that's greater and more powerful than you are. The glory of God is on you in your artwork. The glory of God is on you and in you when you're parenting. The glory of God is on you and in you when you're leading. The glory of God is in you and on you. Why? Because Jesus. Because Jesus in you, on you, around you. Isaiah saw something amazing and John said, he said that busy because he saw Jesus' glory. That's what was going on there. I've tried as best as I possibly can to connect your heart and your eyes and your mind with the glory of God the person of Jesus because these things are interwoven together we hope you enjoyed today's podcast church if you gave your life to Jesus today we'd love to know you meet you and hear your story so be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world Love you, church.